It's Christmas week, Ty. Merry Christmas, my man. Merry Christmas. Yeah, yeah. The uh, what you guys? Uh, what do y'all have planned this week? We so uh, twins just had their fifth birthday, so we just had a little uh, uh-huh. little party. Yeah. Happy birthday uh, to them! But that was fun. And then uh, Christmas week, man, we're we're laying low. We're just we've got um, my brother in law's family's in town from California, so we're doing something with them. And then Christmas Eve, we always go to my mom's, and kind of the tradition is, you know, we go to Christmas Eve service, and then we'll go do soup at her house, and then we do, uh, do you do, like, PJs on Christmas Eve? No. Oh, Actually, maybe we do. I don't remember. Yeah. I told you, I don't, like, Christmas is cool, but it's not that cool to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I feel so sorry for Whitney. <laughs> yeah, because she is all into it. Oh, I mean, tip I is think too. we do. Tip I don't, I don't remember. I don't yeah. know. It, it was oh. a year ago. I don't remember. Oh. <laughs> but uh yeah no we're and then we'll we'll host christmas at our house we'll have a full house and awesome. it'll be fun awesome it'll be a lot of fun hey by the way i was gonna bring this up it's not christmas related uh but i am eating my words a little bit from a discussion we had a few weeks ago so i i told you that i tried yellowstone consistency consistency is key i tried yellowstone i said highly overrated four episodes in this is not for me mm-hmm. and what did you do you encouraged me hey stick with it yeah. don't quit give it a little give it another chance so i did that and uh, last night or two nights ago, whenever it was, uh, I watched a couple more, and and I gotta say, it's I'm it's all growing. in now. It's, it's growing. growing on me. <laughs> it's growing on me. So it I'm, gonna, I'm gonna continue down the path with Yellowstone. Yeah. Okay, good. Like I said, what was getting me, what was getting me in, excited about it all along before was all the scenery. I mean, it's yeah. just unbelievable. It yeah. was. Is it Wyoming or Montana? Montana. Montana. Yeah, yeah. got to visit Montana. So it's uh, it's filmed in two places. So Darby, Montana, and then Salt Lake City. Gotcha. So oh, our, Salt Lake City. It's outside of Salt yeah. Lake City, but yeah. but. Yeah, well, yeah. Ranch, so that ranch is in Darby, Montana. Okay, so I'm a I'm a Yellowstoneite now. I'm all in. So I, I the good thing for you, that. man, is you've got a lot to look forward to. Yeah, right? I mean, so I'm just I'm now like waiting week to week, yeah. and there's only a couple more episodes this season already, and I'm like, where did it go? Yeah. yeah. So I'm already like feeling that like end of summer blues, like you know, oh yeah, summer's so exciting, and then like the last couple of weeks of summer, you're like, oh, I'm just waiting to go back <laughs> to school. I'm not with Yellowstone yeah. right now. It's so like, my, my next few weeks of Christmas vacation, I'm going to be uh, pounding the uh, Yellowstone. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, something we did last year that we're going to do again this year is we took a look back and we took our favorite clips from the year from our guest interviews uh, and we mashed them all together into one episode. And that's what we're going to do again this year. And that's what you're listening to right now. We're actually going to break it up into two parts this yeah. year, the first half of the year. Uh, which was obviously what you're going to be listening to today. And then the second half of the year is which we'll release next week. But we've had a so many, so many good guests this year. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, what you think and, and who you look back on. Some of your favorites were, uh, who do you think, who sticks out to you from the first half of the year? And I'll, I can pull up the list if you don't remember off the top of your head. But Yeah, well, what's, what's hard is, okay, what's the first half and what's the second half? But I think the Andy Frisella, like that experience overall – Mm-hmm. Um, going to and this I guess was not on our podcast it was us going on on his um, that was that was awesome having Sal on after mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. was uh, Sal Frisella was uh, was was great um, you know I, Matt Frazier started the year if you remember, correctly. I mean, yeah, okay. Yeah. So that obviously was was a was and a you're highlight. big you're a big CrossFitter now. So I mean, that yeah, that should have been your that should have been your favorite. And honestly, it was. I mean, between he and Tia, it was. Yeah, Tia and I have for I mean, Rich too. Actually, Rich probably sparked. Rich Froning sparked. This is last year, so I don't yeah. want to. I don't want to get it all uh, diluted here. 
But, uh, yeah, Matt, I mean, Matt was awesome. I think, man, just the starting the year coming in, uh, Justin Forsett was a fun one. Lecrae, so Lecrae was one that was really cool because Lecrae, I've – I've, re- I've looked up to him for a long time, really long time, and it was good to actually have that conversation with him um, and just kind of hearing you know a little bit more about his journey. Yeah. A couple in the first half of the year, Matt Best with Black Rifle Coffee, which you actually missed that I episode. I was gone yeah, for that one. You would yeah. probably like that one. Uh, Ryan Moran was probably my favorite one from the first half of the year. Yeah, Ryan was um, great. Let's see, Teddy Bruski, Ben Newman was good. Dr. Amon, near Aal. I know that one had oh, a big okay, impact on you. Oh, okay, so I'm sorry. Near, yep. near, uh, near Aal was, was probably my favorite guest. Okay. I, I learned more, and that that uh, interview affected my life probably more. No offense to everyone else, but, like, made it an impact and changed my life more than any of the other yeah. ones. Yeah, that's interesting. So you good. say impacted my life. So I get this question all the time, actually. People yeah. ask me all the time, hey, who's been the favorite guest that you, that you, that you guys have interviewed? And by far, we've been doing this almost two, almost two years now. This was the first half of the year guest. By far and away, the one that has impacted my life the most to this day. In fact, I listened to it again the other day. I don't listen to our podcast usually, but I've listened yeah. to this episode now four different times. The Drew Robinson episode. Wow. By far and away has impacted my life more than any other conversation we've had. Yeah. If you have not gone back and listened to that, that's episode 105. We released that back on March 21st. If you have not heard his story, it is absolutely unbelievable. And that one impacted me because that's the first time I ever had a real, thankfully, that's the first time I ever had a real uh, conversation and a real experience with the topic of suicide. Yeah. And it just, it, it, it was just eye-opening to me. And I've said this before, and I've said it, you know, dozens of times since, what got me about that scenario and that situation was just how lonely he felt in that moment to want to take his own life. And I just can't help think about my kids and that helpless feeling of how alone he was in, that, in those last few moments before he did it. Mm-hmm. And so that episode sticks out to me, um, and I tell people all the time that, that that's, that's probably the, the guest that had the most impact on me. Yeah. Um, I think about J.P. Donnell. I think about... Um, just Josh Landon list. was a good one. Josh Landon was a great one. Um, but yeah, anyway, so what we did, like I said, is we wanted to mash all these together. We've had so many fun experiences this year and we want to kind of relive those Ooh, for you guys. Sorry. So the mom's ahead. episode. Yeah, that was a good one too. Yeah. Mother's that day. That was fun. Yeah. The mother's day episode that was, was good. fun. Yeah, that was fun. Love I learned, you, mom. I learned some things about my mom that I didn't know before, which yeah. is, that was a fun conversation. Yeah. So anyway, hope you guys enjoy this again. It's just a mashup of some of our favorite moments throughout the first half of 2021. We appreciate you guys so much for riding alongside us, uh, during this year the, the growth has been tremendous from last year to this year. Uh, and, and obviously that that's because of you guys sharing the show so we really, truly appreciate yeah. you guys. We hope you enjoy this episode. We hope you have a merry, very, merry Christmas. Uh-huh. Uh, enjoy the time with your families, and uh, we will see you next week. You love the process, yeah. right? Yeah. More 100%. than you love the result. Mm-hmm. Like That's what can keep you going and provide longevity. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I mean, if you're, you're only doing it. So another thing was, you know, I feel like so many athletes, you hear it so often, they're like, no, I'm going to win. I'm going to win. There's no other option. Mm-hmm. Like, and there, I feel like their identity is wrapped up in being a winner. And I remember getting asked in some interview prior to a competition, like, oh, you, you think you're going to win? I was like, fuck, I don't know. 
like I have very little control over that. You know, if someone shows up and they just like they're running four minute miles and cleaning jerking four fifty, well, there's not much I can fucking do. <laughs> right. Like I'm not gonna yeah. just magically start running the four minute mile. Yeah. Um so I, I said it from a very real perspective of like, I hope I win. I've been training to win, mm-hmm. but I have no fucking idea if I will. You know, something could go wrong. My my knee could bend the wrong way, I could break a finger, whatever it is. And it's taken out of your control. Mm-hmm. So you better not wrap yourself up in that identity mm-hmm. of being a winner. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like going into a competition. My comfort blanket is I did everything I could. I did everything as best I could. There's no what ifs. Mm-hmm. What if my diet was better? What if my training was better? What if my sleep was better? Yeah. None of that comes in. Yeah. I'm going in and I'm like, I hope that if I get second place, 10th place, 20th place, I feel good about those results. I right, hope my yeah. performance reflects the year of work I just put in. Yeah. I just start to think I'm getting my life together in my early 20s, and then I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And so dropped mm. out of school, quit my job. And while I'm going through radiation treatments, my mother had brain surgery. And I went through this wicked depression. So I lose everything. And so it, it sort of culminates, too, because I right the same month that I found out I had cancer, I had just been accepted I tested and been accepted as a Playboy centerfold. Now I know that sounds like why, you know, it seemed like why would I go down that road if I didn't like all this attention? But like I said, I started to think that that was the validation I needed. It's like, I needed that validation, even though I didn't like it, but I really needed the money. So I was going to use that money to go to school. And then all of a sudden I lost everything. And the one thing that I thought I was valued for, which was my appearance, I'm losing while Mm. I'm going through these cancer treatments. If you're a quitter, you're a quitter your whole life. And, and we all quit in certain aspects, but if you have a dream specifically like going through the special operations pipeline, that's something I would have had to live with for the rest of my life. And more specifically, my brothers would have made fun of me my whole entire life that I went through a pipeline and voluntarily quit because I was cold and tired. And I was right. like, I refuse to mm. be that guy. I don't think that most people are lazy. I think that most people are resisting a path of life that they don't really want. Mm. And that, that is expressed as laziness. Yes. And, and if they were to just give themselves permission to kind of pursue or pay attention to things that naturally interested them, they wouldn't be bored anymore. Right. Mm. They would go all into that thing. They just don't have permission to be able to do that. I would say there's two things that you need to have that you need to start learning right now. And that's empathy and humility. Because I say that is because those are two things that I feel in today's world is what you need to be a good leader. Uh, You need to have the ability to understand what someone else is going through and put yourself in their shoes before you make any type of judgment. And then you need to have the humility to be able to say, a lot of times what you're saying isn't the most important thing mm. and what they're saying is more important. And you just have to ask yourself, is that worth the risk? And I had, um, it was at the future of medicine conference and one of my friends who's a billionaire, he goes, but my son wants to play. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he hired him a former NFL player coach. And um, I'm like, well, what if your son said he wanted to do cocaine. Mm. Would you get him a drug out? Because the level of damage is about the same. 
that this is what we struggle with in modern society. It's all about impulsiveness, yeah. right? When we talk about procrastination, distraction, when we talk when we talk about how we know what to do but we didn't do it, it's always a problem of impulse control. We all know what to do. We all know we should exercise and eat right. Yeah. We all know we should be nice to people. We should be fully present. We should do the hard work. We all know this stuff. The reason we don't do it not because of a character flaw. There's nothing wrong with you. It's simply that we haven't learned how to control these impulses. Well, the solution is intent, is yeah. planning ahead. Because when we plan ahead, there is no distraction we can't overcome by planning today for the distractions that might happen tomorrow. All right, we're going to take a quick break from the episode and recognize an opportunity that we all have. It, if you are having a hard week or you just need some R&R, Here's what you got to do is you got to drive up 75 north, cross the Red River to Durant, Oklahoma, to Choctaw Casino and Resort. It is the best getaway that you can mm. get if you're in the Dallas area by far. And guess what? If you're listening from somewhere outside of DFW, say you're in South Texas or you're in another state, which we've yeah. got some listeners uh, in other states, fly into Dallas, drive up. It is worth every penny. You don't have to go to Vegas anymore to have a world-class experience at a world-class resort and casino. Yeah, we talk about the restaurants that are up there, those steakhouses. We talk about the concert venue. Uh, we, we had a conversation with Aaron Watson previously, and he talked about the, the intimacy. Every single seat in that concert venue is right on top. And there's not a bad seat in the house. There's not. And so these artists talk about it's one of the best places to play. And so go check, check out your, yourself a concert, the spa, the, the brand-new expansion. I mean, it's just such a good time. To your point, Tyler, if you need a break, things are getting crazy, times are tough, Get up there. Get up to Choctaw Casino Resort. Have yourself a great time. We, we experience it. We love it. Uh, they're doing great things in the community. Can't say enough good things, and we're so grateful for their partnership. That's Choctaw Casino Resort. Go check them out. Now back to the episode. It's hard, man. Like, you pay a lot up front. There's a, to start anything from ground up is way harder than anyone thinks. And right. I mean, unless you're this massive superstar with a huge following, you know, that might help. But even at that, man, it, it, you still have to make a great product with great experiences and you have to get customers to come back because that's where the money is actually made. It's, it's the returning yeah. customers. The suicidal thoughts really increased pretty much the day I left Vegas to go to spring training. Um, I remember it's almost like the, the drive out to spring training was my first alone time and first like real quiet time after calling off the wedding um, to to an amazing person. So again, I was just doubting everything, second guessing myself. And I just, I just felt like I was failing at everything, everything I touched, I thought I was making it worse. And I start, like I said, I, I, the suicidal thoughts started to really come to a more concrete possibility where instead of just like passive am I meant to be here like what am I doing here kind of kind of thoughts it was more like I wonder if I can actually like end this and unfortunately that happened when I was by myself but again when I would get to go to the stadium and get to do all these things I was able to let my real self come out and interact with people and and do what I needed to do to possibly succeed at baseball so once that kind of got taken away from me and everyone else in this in this country unfortunately but because I was, it was just all so fresh a month later I, I come home to my house being empty I, I just I, I bought a house a couple years prior and I only knew it with Diana and our dogs so first time I walked into the house and didn't hear my dog's footsteps coming to me at the door 
just complete silentness. And then also walking in to see like a little care package from Diana to help me with my first couple of days of quarantine, because at that time, toilet paper was hard to get food or like all these things. So having a little care package from Diana was only another punch to the gut. Like my gosh, this amazing person, she's still doing all these things for me after all this stuff I put her through again, just led to more self-criticism and just unrelenting bashing of myself of how bad of a person I am. So that was the start of my quarantine. (laughs) Um, It led to a month of a lot of drinking, a lot of reaching out to try to distract myself as much as I can. Um, I, I, my sister and I worked to get a foster dog to help me maybe possibly help me with my loneliness and it didn't work out that well. And then even later on in the, in the quarantine, I actually reached out to a breeder to try to get a, a new dog. And that was on April 13th. I went to go pick up this puppy and I had obviously had plenty of guilt built up at that time, knowing that there was a possibility of doing what I ended up doing. But for some reason the, the puppy was just like too much. I was there getting ready to take this dog home. And I just like had a realization that I'm going to do this soon and I can't leave this mm. new puppy by itself. Wow. Um, even though, which is really crazy to me to think about because if I couldn't do it to a puppy, why could I do it to my family? Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's tough, man. I, uh, I don't even understand how that, how it goes to my mind, but at the time it just felt so real and so needed because I was in so much inner internal misery. I, I just felt so bad about myself and that led to the next couple of days of working on a note and trying to justify, not justify, try to explain what was going on in my mind. So that way there was as little amount of question as possible for the people that I was basically going to be leaving behind. And, um, I knew that it didn't justify it. And I know that it never made it okay to do what I did, but, um, I just, I, like I said, I couldn't take it anymore. And I think the first sentence of my note was, I can't explain why I hate myself so much, but I can't take it anymore. So that was where my notes started and it led to a lot of, a lot of explaining and realize, looking back, realizing and not enough justifying, which nothing would have justified that, but I just wanted to try to make it as easy as possible for such an extreme thing. And, um, that led to April 16th. And once I finished the note that morning, I knew that I technically had nothing else left to do besides, besides do it. So I, uh, I attempted to go do it in my truck somewhere else. So that way there was less of a horrific scene to walk into for someone. Maybe a stranger can find me and I want to have to traumatize someone, my family or friend even more, but I was uncomfortable doing it in my truck. So I came home and ended up attempting suicide and shooting myself in the head on April 16th around 8 PM. I'm literally doing anything and everything I can to, to make ends meet for my family. I'm doing construction on the side. I'm repairing fences for my landlord to offset the cost of my rent. Mm. And, you know, I'm literally, I'm painting, you know, people's addresses in front of their houses, you know, Man, I mean, anything what, and everything. What was that like though? Like as far as it was it humbling? humbling. Oh yeah. yeah. When, when you when at one, one time, at one time I was one of the most highly decorated E fives in the SEAL teams. Yeah, man. And then, you know, they flew my family out to the White House and Pentagon for my award ceremony after Ramadi. Wow. Mm. And then I'm delivering pizzas for Marco's Pizza, and I'm clearing out the drain at the back of the f- pizza place for my buddy um, just so I can get an extra hour or two of minimum wage mm. after I deliver pizzas until closing. And you're going through all the fear 
and like, God, why is this happening? But also like, man, what are we going to do? And I just felt this, like, I felt like I had an opportunity to really to either get bitter or to get better. Mm-hmm. And I really felt God like saying like, you got a man up, like you, you like, how are you going to provide for your family? How are you good? Cause now I'm like, how are we going to do medical bills? Mm-hmm. How are we going to, you know, take care of this? We're dual income now. And I kind of been leaning on my wife, which I think is cool. It's a good cool synergy, but I'm like, dude, like this, I don't know what the future, how are we going to raise a family? How are we going to pay the bills? Plus we're losing our homes because of the big short. I hated them because my family loved them and I wanted to pick my own team. And it just, this is what happens when you have an obnoxious uh, fan base. Right. And so the first time I met Darren, I was actually a PA Mm -hmm. at ESPN and I was prompting sports center and he came on to do a segment and I saw him and I was like, ugh, instantly I'm like, (laughs) Did I do a a Dion dance when I walked out? (laughs) 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 And I looked at him, I don't remember if it was after your segment or before, but I, I went up and I introduced myself and I was like, I just want you to know, I really don't like you. And he was like, what? That was the first thing you yes. said to him? I love I'll it. I'll tell you, I was appalled by it. Really don't. No. And he, and he kind of laughed and was like, okay, like why? And I told him about my family and he was like, so you're the dumb one in your family. And I was like. I called the homies and then I did the really humble pie moment. I took out my phone. I called my dad. Man. She, Daddy, you know, daddy. Of yeah. course, it's daddy yeah. at this point. Daddy, daddy. Um, you know, I, my car got towed. I got nothing. I, I just, is there any way I can borrow some cash or something? He said, got to go, son. Make it happen. Damn. That was it. That's it. That was it. There was no, that was it. Like, not, not even like, oh, cool. Busy right now. Yeah, got to go. Okay. Make wow. it happen. Still something I said today. All that sacrifice, you know, for, and we're illegal. Like my brother and I, we're illegal at this point. So we're like, we're going back and we're probably not coming back. Back, Right. And now we know this other life. Now we know electricity and water and buildings and grass. Mm. Right. Uh Right. And, and, you know, free lunch at school. (laughs) So I remember that. Uh, And we're going back. And as soon as we get to Mexico, uh, I'm around nine years old. And my mother is like, Hey, uh, this isn't, this isn't the end of us. You know, a lot of people ask me like, hey, man, how did you get to where you are today? You know, 27 companies, mm-hmm. you know, one of the in the single family residential space, one of the top leading, you know, uh, investors in the single SFR space. How did you get there? Training is a part of who I am. So when I took that out of that six months, I literally didn't know who I was anymore. I lost I lost mm. who I thought I was. I lost I mean, I, I definitely wasn't healthy, you know, having chocolate for breakfast and just mm. like being in a slump and, and, you know, staying up late at night and um, sleeping in. And sometimes even I'm ashamed to admit it, but I would even miss my lectures and stuff. You know, yeah. I just wasn't motivated. <laughs> and I definitely felt like I hit rock bottom. I want to take another quick break. And speaking of breaks, I want to take, thank our sponsor, Sleep Number, who gives you the best break of every single day of your life, which is sleep. Mm. And what they're doing with their technology and their mattresses is second to none. They have taken the mattress game and put it on steroids. Yeah. They check your heart rate, your, your circadian rhythm. They're doing all these different things to test you while you're sleeping to make sure that it's custom and that every single night is the most restorative restful sleep that you're ever going to get it's no accident that sleep number is the official sleep partner of the nfl and because nfl athletes 
are at the top when it comes to recovery, when it comes to taking care of your body, and nothing is more important than sleep. We've talked about it on the show multiple times, making sure you take care of your sleep. And there's a reason that Dak Prescott sleeps on one every single Mm -hmm. night. And there's a reason that his career has blossomed the way that it has. So make sure either you go online, sleepnumber.com, you go into a local store, they're going to walk you through it. You're going to experience the entire process of understanding what your sleep score is or what your sleep number is. And then ultimately showing you how to achieve the highest sleep score uh, because that's what's important is how you actually sleep and how you recover so that you can tackle the day with everything that you have. It's the VIP experience that we're all looking for. That's right. Sleepnumber.com. Like Tyler said, go get yourself to a local store and get yourself that VIP experience. Now back to the episode. I I think, you know, for me as as a young guy, right? 27, you know, 28, you know, you're making whatever, you know, close, to half a million dollars and you know I'm, I'm living life and you I placed all my net worth on money and I, when I say net worth I mean my heart my mind my soul my spirit even my attitude towards my friends it was almost like well I have more money than you so mm-hmm. I have my valuable what I realized is I was out of fucking whack and why that's important is and I think back to your point you know about you know, when you place too much value on money, you realize that somebody always has more and there's always makes more and you never actually ever achieve it. Right. So you're mm-hmm. constantly chasing. So when you get to a hundred thousand, okay, what's next? 200,000, 300,000, 400,000. And you never, you never fulfill that bucket that's inside of you. And you're constantly chasing. That's the competitor inside of us, especially being an ex athlete. And so I, I learned to shift my focus in life as I realized that if I'm the best, because that's really what I want to chase, right? I want to chase being the best. And that's what I realized. It's not about the most money. It's about maximizing my potential and being the very best Sal that I could be mm-hmm. with the talent that I'm given with, you know, God's you know gift of my mom, my dad, my brother, everything around me. Like if I can go be the best version of me, I can be happy mm-hmm. and I can lay my head down at night. Now, consequently, if I'm the best at what I fucking do, the money comes. Mm-hmm. And when I removed, when I switched those two priorities in my brain, my life started to become a lot more happy. And what I mean by that is if you focus on being the best, there's an internal fulfillment that happens uh, that money will not replace. Now, the good news is, is I'm also a proponent of money. I like making money. Mm-hmm. It makes life easier. But when you shift your focus and realize that if you're the best, the money is a byproduct of that. Uh, life becomes a lot easier because you can focus on the process of becoming the best version of whatever it is. And I always say like, if you're the best concrete contract contractor, you make a lot of money. If you're the best NASCAR driver, you make a lot of money. If you're the best football player, you make a lot of money. If you're the best stripper, you make a lot of money. It doesn't matter what you do. It matters that you're the best. And if that happens, the money will take care of itself. So focus on the process. And that's what I learned is I, I was able to free myself of stop chasing this and start focusing on this, which consequently was the person that looked back at me in the mirror. Yeah, start man. becoming the best yeah. version of me and everything else fell in the place. I think like, you know, I think when you got a couple kids at home and um, you just kind of risked everything, I think, it, it, you know, some people are, are willing to go all the way. Yeah. And yeah. like I was in the deep end and for me, losing is not an option. Yeah. And, um, so that was, that was, you know, that was kind of the first sign to myself, like, damn, you really are willing to do whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and that's a validating thing too, you know, like I, you know, we can laugh about it now, but like, it was a a real thing. I'm like, I know this brand is going to be successful. I know I'm going to be able to hire a couple brewers who make good beer. Like I'm doing it. 
I'm right. doing it. I have to get this thing off the ground. So let's talk about that because beer is nothing new, right? There's tons of beer companies out there. Mm-hmm. And so when you think about breaking into an industry that is, you know, it's not, mm-hmm. it's not like you're inventing anything. How yeah. did you go about that? I mean, I know you were going after a different nit, niche, niche, whatever yeah. that word is. Yeah. Niche. Sort of. yeah. what, so context, what year was this? When you went through your this race. This is about 10 years ago. Okay. So still on the front of that craft beer craze, right? Like that's before. Kind of at the tail end, to be honest. Was it? Okay. Um, it was, yeah, Tyler, it was my like, question was right? valid. Sorry. Stupid. Stupid. <laughs> yeah, I apologize. No, I'm yeah, embarrassed. It was, it was, no, no, no. It was at the tail end of, of kind of like the where it was just going vertical, okay. right? Mm. Like it was, it was, but it was right before companies started getting acquired. I was so. going to say like Ballast Point, probably, for example. That, probably most importantly. Yeah. We sold okay. two months before them. Okay. So like. Yeah. Um, it was, yeah, it was, uh, it, yeah, it was, I mean, it, I think for me when I was in Ventura and I had the idea and I would be looking at the beer shelves, I, I would say, gosh, brands like Ballast Point or Stone or Sierra Nevada or, you know, these huge breweries, I would say, I don't know anything about them. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I don't know anything about them. And, you know, coming from skateboarding and surfing, you know, I know everything about vans and right. I know everything about Supreme and I know everything about right. whether you, whether your friends created those brands or Volcom or any of the, the ones that our friends have started, the fans of skateboarding and surfing know the story behind Quicksilver mm-hmm. and Hurley and like right. all of these different things. And in beer, you don't know anything. And I'm like, how is that even possible? Like, how is this it's selling just because it's here? That's mm-hmm. ridiculous. And if that is the case, I can outbrand everything on this shelf. Yes. I just have a better eye for what I think looks good. And the only difference between St. Archer and everything else was brand. Yeah. We launched wow. the brand with a blonde ale, a pale ale, and an IPA, the three most generic craft beers in the country. And we became the fastest growing craft beer overnight in the U.S. I feel like a lot of people don't want to tell their children what's expected of them. We want to let our kids have fun all the time. And hey, kids need to have fun. Yeah. But man, what's fun? Something you're good at. Mm-hmm. How do you get good at something? You spend time in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll be honest. I mean, think about it. You, you, you think about if you've ever played a video game before and it, it was good enough that it got you hooked on it but it had a challenge to it that made you keep coming back to do more. Mm-hmm. And the better you got at the video game, the more fun that game became. Yep. Well, man, physical things are the same way. You know, uh-huh. martial arts, jiu-jitsu, baseball, <laughs> football, mm-hmm. it's all fun, but it's more fun when you get good at it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's cool yeah. when dad throws the pass to you, you catch the ball and you, right. you run into the touchdown or whatever. And, but, the better you get at that. Hey, man, did you see me juke that guy? Hey, did you see me step on that guy's yeah. back as I was running in? Hey, right. did you see me hit that home run? I mean, you start getting better at something, it becomes more fun. Yes. Right. And, and sometimes we don't push our children. You know, our children come to us and they say, I don't want to do that. I'm bored tonight. I'm bored with it. I don't right. want to do it. And the reality is, is they're just like every other human being. They're in the middle of doing something else, and they don't want to break from that. Right. They don't want to break and go reset yeah. and restart again. And as parents, we've got to go, hey, um, I know you are bored with class, and I know you're in the middle of playing your video game right now, or I know Jimmy's come. Mm-hmm. You want to go play with Jimmy or go to the pool with Jimmy. But, look, you always have fun. You always come out of there mm-hmm. with a smile on your face. You're always happy you went afterwards. We're going to go ahead and go get ready. 
Mm-hmm. And, right. and I don't care how much fighting they do because the reality is, is it, our, as, a, as parents, it's our job to remind our children what they don't remember. Right. I mean, that's huh. what we have to do. We have to constantly tell them, hey, yeah. put the seat down. Hey, brush your teeth. Hey, put your clothes on. We, we, we're in the habit of doing that, but we're not in the habit of saying, look, I know you're fighting about this, but you have fun every time. I right. know that you always find joy in your heart after you do this. I know this is going to make you a better person in mm. the long run. I know that in life you're going to need to learn how to deal with this situation, and this is going to provide that for you. And so go ahead and get dressed and let's, let's go. You know, when you have to go through something exceedingly uncomfortable, usually you come out on the other side an improved person. And I was Mm -hmm. like full stop, like everything in my life was better work, relationships, um, even just how I felt about myself, like my spirituality, all that kind of stuff, just full stop better. And um, after that, and I'm sure we'll kind of we'll get into this. um, I had a bunch of experiences through work. Uh, that helped me come up with this idea for this book. And the book is called The Comfort Crisis. And it's basically about how, as the world has become more comfortable in a lot of ways, I mean, just think of your everyday life and how much different it is than life of a person 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 1000 years ago, we've lost a lot of things that uh, made us healthy and made us happy. Right. So we've engineered effort out of our lives. Our food system is all the super calorie dense comfort food. We no longer have to do, you know, big epic challenges in nature like we used to. And that's changed us and often not for the best. So the book is essentially kind of an argument about why we need these moments that push back at us, why we need to step out of our comfort zones sometimes. 